welcome back to this episode, When Push Comes to Shove. Today we are joined by the beautiful midwife, Anna here, who is going to be talking all about her journey and what she's up to now with some amazing research. So welcome, Anna. The floor is yours. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. Okay, thank you for having me on. It's very exciting. Um, yeah, so um, I suppose I could tell you about um, why I became a midwife and actually that kind of leads me on to my research that I've just started. I just started on my Brilliant. journey. So um, I started um, as a midwife back in 2009, which is when I started my training. And that was off the back of um, uh, my birth experience, as is often the way. Um, so I um, had my daughter um, in 2008. Um, I had uh, obviously wasn't a midwife then. I wasn't um, particularly engaged in the birth world, actually. I was doing something really, really different. Um, I worked on building sites, so that's the story for another day. Uh, <laughs> so I had um, I had her back in two thousand and eight. It was a hospital birth, and I birthed her on my back, and ended up with quite a significant um, third degree tear. And I will overshare because I do, um, but I had quite a significant third degree tear. Um, not not a great experience. wasn't kind of not not a lot of being listened to. All the stuff that now I know is is not great actually um but back then i didn't know any different and i think having then had um that experience i thought i wonder if i could train to be a midwife and i did so i applied and graduated in 2012 wow um, and it's kind of during that uh sort of my student journey that i became kind of interested in things that i am now um, I uh, firstly really engaged with research. I found it incredibly exciting, which not a lot of my peers did, I have to say. <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed it, the process and um, sort of discovering everybody's, discovering experiences and how that can um, uh, sort of influence care, but equally how to, to critique, um, because you have it really drummed into you, you know, when you train as a midwife about advocacy and um, and you know, uh, listening to women and birthing people, but those tools aren't always um, about the hands-on and doing too. It's often about the behind the scenes and influencing. I feel they influencing care through being able to pick apart the evidence and is it really evidence? So I used to get a bit excited about that, which is really sad, but not from my perspective. I had some amazing uh, mentors, obviously they're not mentors now, supervisors, but I had some amazing mentors. So my community mentor when I was a student um, was seen to be the home birth queen. So home birth for me was kind of, you know, it was just a thing, <laughs> it was the thing um, right. when I was a student. Um, but I also had some really inspirational mentors um, sort of in, in the institution as well, who, who um, yeah, really supported me. Anyway, so that was that. Um, I then graduated and got pregnant. Um, by this time, I was uh, <laughs> I'd put on a bit of weight because trying to be a student, you know, trying to be a midwife, kind of does that to you. Um, <laughs> so when I became pregnant with uh, my second, um, of course, I was going to have a home birth, but I was also raised being my third degree tear. So that was quite. Um, I thought I was going to come up with against quite a lot of resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually what happened, because I wasn't working in the trust where, um, in the area where I birthed, but what actually happened was that there was a consultant midwife who was really supportive 
um, listen to me. Um, uh, obviously, I had that kind of background and evidence to be able to draw upon. Um, and I never actually met that resistance to have that home birth. So I had a beautiful um, home birth on my front room floor. Out he came. Um, and ever since then, kind of my focus has been on supporting women who make choices that might make people feel a little bit uncomfortable midwives make a bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. um but actually looking at how we as an institution as the nhs as midwives as obstetricians can support those choices okay so that was that really so i spent some time um as a rotational midwife um did a bit of diabetes care um i then was lucky enough to um set up a home birth team so that was really exciting it, uh, you know one of the bits of my career that I'm really the most proud of and the team are amazing and they're still going now and they're bigger and they're you know just some of the most inspirational midwives I've ever worked with naturally some of the most inspirational women I've ever worked with um, and then I left um, the NHS to go into education so I spent three years as um, a lecturer in midwifery which I still do now across a couple of universities but then I left that at the end of last year, so October last year, to start PhD. And my PhD research is around the exploring the experiences of women who make non-normative care choices. So the, those kind of choices, like me, raised BMI, third degree tear, wants to have a baby at home. Um, so sorts of things like um, pretty cesarean sections at home, which obviously cause quite a lot of anxiety with mm -hmm. some clinicians, um, free birthing, but, but also choices along that continuum so the sort of maternity care continuum so right from the word go when people decline screening when people are declining um examinations they don't want scans that sort of thing so that that's how we're defining non-normative care choices and my research will over the next couple of years look at how women and birthing people ex experience that mm -hmm. um, the sorts of kind of barriers they come up against and actually what facilitators there are um, and what are the influences from that perspective as well so what influences those choices to be made mm -hmm. um, I'm just at the end of finishing my literature review at the moment which I'm really excited about because I found some I've got some really interesting findings which I can't wait to share with people I can't just yet because I'm just writing it up mm -hmm. um but that's me you, you can share those yeah absolutely I'll be really excited to and I'm hoping to start recruiting kind of um uh, sort of late late this year actually goodness me once i've got through ethics and stuff like that but yeah it's really exciting because it's um whilst we we understand some of the experiences around some choices so particularly free birth maternal requests are in section um uh, high, high risk home birth and i'm, I'm mindful of my language there because don't really like calling it high risk home birth you know there's a body of evidence there that can't necessarily be extrapolated and applied to those other non-normative choices um yeah so that that's where i'm at it's quite exciting that's amazing that that is just incredible there's so much going on there yeah <laughs> what an amazing study to be doing right now especially when we're seeing this rise of of free births and with the whole covid restrictions being brought in i know a lot of people are feeling like maternity care has gone back quite a few steps um with the not allowing partners in at certain times and no second partners allowed at all so that that's amazing 
it's going to be interesting to um, sort of take go down some of the avenues that that haven't been explored before because you're you're absolutely right. I think COVID has uncovered some quite profound inequalities and. Um, you know, apart from the obvious ones, but things like um, not allowing partners in, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it, I was finding that quite um, distressing seeing it from the outside because I haven't been working within the NHS during that time. Right. Um, and actually, as somebody that likes to be able to try and change things, that's been quite troubling, <laughs> actually. So, yeah, it's it's the right time for this. And there's a body of research that is developing now. I mean, certainly um, I've got colleagues that have looked at midwives, you know, how midwives um, support those choices. And, and there's a growing evidence base, but what is missing is the women's voice in all of this, the women birthing people's voice. Yeah. Um, certainly I did a piece of research for my master's, which looked at how midwives support uh, women birthing people who want to have home birth with complex needs. Um, and that was quite interesting because quite a lot of the conflict came with within the institution, actually. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to say too much about that because actually there's, again, a, a bigger body of evidence now that that supports um, those findings. So, yeah, it's really it's really exciting because it's now's the time to be um, sort of looking at how we can support women and birthing people to make those choices and make almost make them not non-normative. Mm normalize the the, yeah, the unnormal choices yeah I, I kind of hesitate to say normalize them because i know that can be controversial but it, it's about um making uh, or, or providing the evidence so people could feel more comfortable to to be able to support um women to make those choices whether they be the perceived small choices like i'm sorry i don't want a vaginal examination or i'm sorry i don't want blood doing at booking that's you know it's my choice all the way up to the larger do you know what i've had two cesarean sections and i want to have my baby at home in a pool mm. um, because i get it as a clinician how that can make you feel uncomfortable but actually we have to be able to acknowledge that we need to support women in their choices Absolutely. I think it's really important to note that women can decline absolutely anything they want to. And they can absolutely. also accept, but they don't have to. And I think it's really interesting because here, when push comes to shove, we get messages of, you know, I wasn't allowed to do this. I was told I couldn't do that. And I have to do this. Yeah. And it's amazing how many times I go, oh, you, you don't actually have to do that if you don't want to. Oh, but I have whatever I have diabetes or I've had a previous cesarean and we then well even so yeah. you don't have to do that I know that there's been there was a thread a little while ago on Twitter with a lady who was told by her midwife that free birthing was illegal yes I saw and, that oh you did yeah that was really interesting because Obviously yeah. it's not, it's not in the UK at all illegal. You can birth however you choose, wherever you choose, with whomever you choose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and there's a lot of education to be done around that. And we and, and this kind of goes back to why I do what I do, why I'm doing my research. I call it my research. I mean, it's not, it's everybody doing, but you know, this is why I'm doing this research is because I suspect that the pushback and the you're not allowed to do that comes from a, a place of fear mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons, but it's for a place of a lack of education. And yeah, I, I saw that too. And I, I, I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's difficult because I think, yeah, 
I, I went into my pregnancy, you know, wanting a home birth, expecting that pushback. And I never got it because the midwives and particularly that consultant midwife was facilitative of my choices because she took the time to listen to me and she took the time to hear what I was saying um, and understand why I wanted to do what I wanted to do and she wasn't coercive she wasn't pushy um, I'm quite lucky now because that that consultant midwife um, went into education we worked together and I'm very very lucky to call her a friend didn't know that at the time um, but she was a massive influence on me you know both clinically and um yeah and as an educator but yeah huge amount of education to be done do you see a big difference between trusts and areas or is it more individual trusts um, i think that, i mean that's a big question because i don't or is know, it more individualized on the midwives um again that's really big <laughs> i suspect that and i say suspect because i don't know 100 percent, but there is there will be variation across trust and that will be caught be for a variety of reasons um and there will also be variety in terms of midwives as well um i mean certainly looking at some some of the newly qualifieds that come through um i can understand why they're fearful um and particularly if they've you know trained in, in with midwives equally that are fearful that kind of perpetuates it but i think there is a shift now particularly with the new midwifery um or the the standards the nmc standards for education where these are the sort of discussions that need to be had at, at um student level um and certainly i hope once i finish my phd to go back into sort of midwifery education because that's a real passion of mine is to you know advocacy isn't just one thing it's about being able to have that evidence and being able to have those conversations went on a bit of a tangent there sorry no, that's, that's amazing <laughs> you know it's having open conversations but also we have to phrase them in a way that is not going to upset people um and obviously you know women make choices on the information that they have and if they're not presented with a fully rounded set of options and they're only going to make their decision on what they've been told absolutely i shouldn't say it's really important that we understand um women's uh, values their beliefs and and when we're talking about the risks we need to make sure that you know we un we understand where that woman's coming from in relation to what our what's important to her and what material risks are for her um, and it's that informed consent conversation which um, it's it's difficult to learn how to do that effectively and not everybody gets it right I've not always got it right but you learn by that and and again we learn by listening to the women and, and the birthing people and that's that's I think that's really important absolutely I had a lady on the other day um, which the video will be live soon she mentioned that she so she had a high risk pregnancy and was pretty much coerced down a route that she wasn't 100 percent happy with but didn't realize that she had more choices yeah. and she had mentioned that she felt like the midwives were were almost scared to allow her to take a risk that she was happy to take and she brought that back to perhaps the midwives not having a good debriefing system and so midwives seeing certain things that have ended in a traumatic event then going straight into another birth perhaps that perhaps that means that they're a little bit more hesitant to then let 
the next woman who's experienced similar circumstances to go down the same route. I'm just wondering if you have any input on that side of things, because we see a lot of burnout in midwives pretty early on. And as a doula, we have a lot of debriefing and we have a big community where we talk and we talk things out. And do you find that the midwives don't have that so much and perhaps their experiences are coming out in this sort of like, well, you can't do that. I mean, there's always, uh, I suppose there's always the potential for that um, because every, you know, birth that you go to builds that, it's like Lego, isn't it? It builds, it builds that kind of experience. I can't, so I can't say that that doesn't happen. Um, in terms of debriefing, I know that that does happen in the vast majority of trust. And, and again, that is trust dependent, but certainly the trust that I know, um, they do have that. And there's quite a lot of work done by um, Sally Pizarro, who talked about trauma in midwives and, and you know, how that um, sort of manifests. So, you know, again, there's a growing evidence base that that, that kind of will influence it. And we know it will. Um, it's a difficult one to answer because it is very trust specific as well I don't think there's a one size fits all you can't kind of pick that up and plop that into to any particular trust and say well this is how you do it um you know we as midwives we're encouraged to be reflective um and to reflect on um, the care that we provide and um certainly students will do the same thing as well and effective reflect effective reflection a bit of alliteration but effective reflection I like that helps with that and engaging with um PMAs as well um it's a tricky one to answer because you know anecdotally I can say yeah that absolutely does affect your practice but you know there are mechanisms in place to be able to to support that awesome so you mentioned there one size doesn't fit all and is that kind of where you're going with the research here by trying to almost redefine these guidelines that are set except the fact that not everyone is going to fit in this perfect little risk yeah yeah and I think that, that. yeah and uh, it's how it's understanding from my perspective and how my research I'm hoping it will kind of pan out and um is understanding how um where those flaws are I think I mean it's difficult to say because of the method that I'm going to be using and I don't want to preempt my kind of the, the findings but we know that no guidelines don't fit everybody and and they, they can't you know we've got how many thousand number of birthing people having their babies every year one guideline doesn't always fit them um, but again you know there, there are a number of us working to develop that evidence so that perhaps we can expand those guidelines we can provide support and guidance to be able to support those women because it, when it comes down it is all about individualized care and ensuring that you know go back to it again make sure they're heard and and mm. listened to because often um that will then nip in the bud things like the coercion and stuff like that um yeah, yeah. it's a difficult one to answer because i do i want to come and save everybody and make it right for everybody but it's a big ask i have to say it is but what you're doing is definitely the foundation and the stepping stones forward into doing this and allowing so, people to have yeah. that individualized care which is so needed in in yeah. in maternity in general not just in nhs but and wow. it's understanding why I, I mean i honestly believe that if we understand we get the foundations we understand why then that we can build on that to make it better and improve outcomes you know because it's all about working together are you finding lots of people coming forward to to help you with your research 
Well, I haven't started recruiting yet, so I'm hoping okay, so. Um, as I say, I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm kind of getting to the end of my literature review at the moment, and um, so hoping to start recruiting back end of this year. Um, so yeah, watch this space is what I will say. I hope so. Um, I want to, you know, we need to hear these the stories. We need to hear people's narratives because it's happening. We know it's happening. Um, we just need to understand why and how we can make that better, make that journey smoother. Um, yes. Yeah. I think it's hard for a lot of women to talk about it, especially when it's something has happened in a previous birth and mm -hmm. they didn't know that they had a choice. And then now we're hearing, well, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to, to go down that road. It can be quite upsetting and trauma traumatic for people in general. Is there an email that people can email you on if they're willing to discuss with you? I know you're not going to be recruiting until later on, but it'd be nice to, if anyone's watching this and wants to talk to you about. If they're interested, yep. So you can get me on Twitter. Um, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Anna the Midwife, um, which is a very grand title, really, for me, <laughs> but at Anna the Midwife. Or um, I will give you my email address if you want to put it in. Um, yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. We'll add it in the video and we'll also put it in the comments for the podcast as well. Yeah, so that brilliant. can contact you. Well, I think it's absolutely incredible what you're doing. And I'm very excited to hear about, about what's going to happen and, and what findings you find. Me too. I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> it would be awesome to get you back and talk to you in, in a little while sort of before it's finished and then see how you're doing halfway through and get a picture of what your findings and then and then again to come back once you you've completed it and yes it feels very far away but yes it would be very happy to that'd be great very welcome it's absolutely incredible and you're very passionate and women's choices and their rights shines through with what you're saying Thank you. And I think that's what we need in maternity care more is midwives like yourself. It's just a shame that oh, you thanks. can't do all of this at the same time as, as practicing midwifery. <laughs> I spread myself across, but I know I need no, not at the moment. Yeah. But we're seeing some amazing midwives coming out of training right now. And it's down to people like yourself who are there teaching and lecturing. Thank oh. you for having me on. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, thank you so much for joining us.